buckle up for an unfiltered dose of comedy. Full disclosure, I've had a lot of sex, but honestly having sex with me is like buying a Prius. It's much quieter than you'd expect. Epics presents Unprotected Sets. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buckle up for an unfiltered dose of comedy. Full disclosure, I've had a lot of sex, but honestly having sex with me is like buying a Prius. It's much quieter than you'd expect. Epics presents Unprotected Sets. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dream Hotel in Hollywood, California. This is Lips LA on Dash Radio. Hey guys, this is Scott Lips. You listen to Lips LA Radio. Today on the show, we have Palais Royale. Their music has been described as My Chemical Romance meets the New York Dolls, meets the Stones with a bit of Tim Burton thrown in. These guys are killing it on the alternative charts. All good dudes, brothers, three brothers from Canada. Uh, we got them here. We're talking all things Palais Royale. Stay tuned. Up and coming on Lips LA Radio today. Hi, I'm Sebastian. I'm Emerson. I'm Remington. We are Palais Royale, and you're listening to Scott Lips on Lips LA. Welcome to Lips LA Radio. We are with the band that needs no introduction, Palais Royale. We've got Remington, Sebastian, and Emerson. What's up, guys? How's it going, man? Hey, nice you to guys meet are the you, best looking band I've had in here. Actually, <laughs> you're the only full band I've had in here so far. It's getting us all in one room at once is the hard part. But, you know, the style, the dress, that's like 50%. You guys look amazing. Thank you, and sir. You, you also have your own makeup lines. We're going to get into that, too, because I see a couple of you guys have on. Is that your own makeup that you wear? Yes. It is. Yes. And I am, I'm always curious. These guys don't really need an introduction, but I will tell you their music has been described as My Chemical Romance meets The New York Dolls meets The Stones with a little bit of Tim Burton mixed in. At least, at least your Wikipedia says so. That's a pretty crazy description, but it's it's pretty accurate. Our Wikipedia also our said most. that we uh, invented the light bulb at one point. So. Who, who writes those Wikipedias? I, don't, I, don't I think know. it was our fans. I think our fans do, and we tell them to change it every day, and they said that we're space travelers, and we discovered the world. So, Well, you guys are originally from Canada. You're all brothers, if people yeah. don't know that. Yeah. And I'm assuming, because you and I hang out quite a bit, you do fight as brothers, and it's like a we Keith do. Richards, Mick Jagger thing, right? All the time. Yep. Is it like? It's does getting, it ever get bad? Like, it's getting like, to the yeah. Gallagher point. That Our we fist just, fight wasn't too long ago. Really? Yeah. Is that on stage or off stage? Uh, it was off stage. Off stage. We try to keep it off stage. Like, uh, for instance, these these two uh, fingers right here are completely broken. My knuckles. So. Because you punched Sebastian in the face. Yeah, he's got a hard fucking head. Hmm. Well. You know what? You have a you have a beautiful head, but uh, probably a hard head. So. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but initially, you guys were called Crop Circle. What, what was that all about? And then your grandparents <laughs> met, and you named the band Polyrail. Because I um, think Crop Circle was not such a great name. No oh, offense, but horrible name. Horrible the, name. Maybe the worst name ever. But Polyrail is a great think, name. I think it was the worst band name in history of band names. Whose idea um, was that? I don't know. We were. It was we were like it was 10. pretty much puberty, like just captured so publicly. So it was not our proudest moments, but uh, we decided to change the band because we caught a little bit of common sense. And uh, <laughs> we changed the band uh, to Palais Royale because um, it was a dance hall where our grandparents met and were like, it doesn't suck so bad. So it wasn't, wasn't your idea. Crop Circle was not your idea. It was not my idea. I don't know how it came to <laughs> I don't be, know how it was, I feel like we were horrible. born, we became kids, and then it was like, we're Crop Circle. Here you go. I don't know how the name came up, but I just it was the worst. 
And, and reference-wise, right? Because you guys are like relatively young guys, but you have all these older references, the faces, the stones. I, I feel like there's an Iggy Pop reference there. Like, were your parents playing all that music growing up? Our mom was uh, playing all the... She used to be a rock and roll photographer back in the day, so oh, she cool. would play all the great records for us. She was on tour, like Johnny Thunders and Stip Baders awesome. and The Clash and... Um, and the style council and the jam and she would just like give us records like the faces and T-Rex and Bowie and yeah, there um, just Super certain, Tramp and certain albums record. that we would just connect with uh, like the Velvet Underground like we obsessed over awesome and like early Pink Floyd was like the best I met Lou Reed because I always liked the Velvet Underground then he was like not nice to me and I was like fuck well he's Lou Reed. Yeah, he's Lou Reed he doesn't need to be nice to me yeah. but so in the beginning you guys were like all, did you did one of you pick up an instrument first or was it all at the same time and we, you decided we like, all started playing piano at the same time piano yeah our mom gave us piano lessons when we were two four and six and cool. we just kind of went from there and and then, then who was the first one to pick up like a guitar or Emerson a drum? picked up drums and then I picked up a guitar and then Remington landed with vocals. Because I didn't want to sing at all and because I was like, I want to play drums. And I'm like, oh, Emerson already has it. I'm like, can I play guitar? And they're like, oh, Sebastian already took it. And they're like, oh, you can play bass or sing. And I was like, fuck, those are the two worst options. Sing, singing is much more sexy than like the bass, right? I feel like it's right, a little it's like, bit, <laughs> no offense to any bass players listening, but I feel like singing is a, a tad bit sexier than bass right, playing. I think so too. So I, I understand your plight. <laughs> Um, and Canada must be the cleanest place alive, and Toronto especially. Like I yeah. feel like if you drop, you know, like a some kind of chewing gum, that, you know, someone comes and picks it up from out from under you a second later. Mm-hmm. It's super clean in Canada. And but growing up there, did you guys have the same references? Was it the same music? I know there's other there's like bands that are big in Canada that never make it here. You know, so Sebastian was born in Canada for I think first three months of his life on Canada then, on Can- Canada Day, yeah, Canada Day. Yeah. and then uh, we moved to Vegas when oh, he was okay. like three months old so we grew up in they Vegas were born in Vegas cool so um, I think Vegas like had such a big thing on the entertainment so it's definitely Saturday. from Toronto to Vegas Vegas is definitely completely dirty right it is the dirtiest city compared to like one of the cleanest that's true. cities that's so. true where did um, the theatrical thing come from? Because people have called you like fashion rock. And then yeah. where did the glam thing, I mean, was that just because the faces and all those bands? That you I honestly to? think our musical influences had the rock and like the glam side of things. But then I think the whole theatrics was growing up in Las Vegas. Like right. You would have, you know, Cirque du Soleil. You would have all these great shows. And it just kind of made it, it made sense. You know, the Killers came out of their Panic! The Disco True. came out of there and they just were over the top all the time with their shows. And it's about the show. It wasn't necessarily just like, play a gig and that's it so, so it was really the theatrics of vegas that got you into that yeah, yeah and i think the the shitty part of vegas made us like a little dirty and we are angsty and i think toronto gave us a little sweet side so. that's cool so <laughs> all right so back in the beginning you guys start playing you're all like young kids playing the piano one of you picks up a guitar bass drums and then when was it that you started writing songs together were you like 12 years old when did you write your first song um we wrote our first song together i want to say when i was probably Ten years old, mm. yeah. and um, I don't think it was very good. But you got to start somewhere, right? Right. Um, and then, pretty much, we've been writing ever since. And uh, you know, we finally yeah. got good. You finally got good. That's right. Six hundred shows later. Yeah. I want to jump to one of my favorite songs that you, uh, you'll be fine, which is from the new album, I believe. Right. So you guys yeah. have a new album now. We're going to talk about that too. Boom, boom, room. Right. Yep. That's your second record. Yeah. Just dropped. Yeah. Um, so I, do- I definitely want to jump to "You'll Be Fine," but before we get into "You'll Be Fine," tell me the story behind it. Um, I think for like Boom Room Side A and Side B, it was all meant to be one record, but it was like 30 songs. So we had to split it off into two records. You know, your debut album can't be that long. Right. And, um, or you could be Use Your Illusion 1, 2, exactly. and 5. Yeah, whatever. exactly. Right. But um, I think like 
Side A came out, and that, when that came out, we did that record with James E. Huff and the Smashing Pumpkins. So cool, he, he produced, produced that it. whole cool. record. And then this last record, we kind of scrapped the whole album, and we just didn't like it, and we were like, screw it, let's go back in the studio. And we're back in the studio, and it was took us three or four days with our friend in wow. his like bedroom and just made the record. I read that. So you scrapped the record because what? Because you were listening to it and you're like, it just doesn't have the vibe. We didn't, we we didn't like did the it. vibe. We did know? it in a big studio, you know, with a, like a, with a producer that, you know, did like a lot of known bands and stuff. And, uh, you know, we listened back to it and we're just like, this is not Palais. Like we do not like what it. What was this it like? Is, when? Uh, can we, I mean, it was just, um, you know, it's not like it sounded bad. It just, it just wasn't us. We, we would record something and, you know, it would sound great in the live room because we all recorded with all of us looking at each other and be like, all right, that's how it sounds. So you record as a band live. Exactly. A lot of bands don't record. So Remington right. would go and maybe overdub some vocals and I would overdub some lead guitar parts or whatever. But I think we got to the point though when we were doing this whole cycle, it was just, we would come back and the producer would be like auto-tuning things. And mm. we're like, what the hell? Are you? We're not like... You sound like Britney Spears exactly. after a few You sound like right. fucking yeah. T-Pain right. after <laughs> the first track. I was like, that's he not tuned, rock There was music. one song he tuned the whole entire song to a different key. Wow. While music after As a rock band, how do you do it, that? Without it just it? Doesn't music is sense. much better when it comes directly from the artist. Totally. Yeah. And it's not like you guys are that old where you have to tune down or something, right? Yeah. You know, those older bands that can't hit the notes. It's no. like you're young guys, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so is there a story between you'll be... Uh, behind you'll be fine is there a, like the lyrics lyrically um yeah um it, it pretty much is about like us kind of like losing our sanity you know because you know we've been on the road pretty much traveling together for two years and fucking vans and yeah, shuttle buses that break down and uh it gets really difficult sometimes but you know the, the most important thing is you got to tell yourself you're gonna be fine well, I'm sure you guys have an amazing Spinal Tap moment that's happened because every band has had a Countless. Spinal Tap moment. So yeah. there's got to be something that happened on tour where you're like, dude, we played for like two people in like an Arby's or I don't know. Is there anything <laughs> weird that happened along the yeah. way? There's always I weird the story. stories. <laughs> we were on tour with a metal band and uh, we all decided to take acid one night. On stage? Uh, no, like right. right after. And then we had a show the next but day. We, this is with the point when we were in a SUV touring and we had six grown men sleeping in an SUV <laughs> yeah, outside it was, of hotels. It was our mom's car. <laughs> and I was I was having to drive and we forgot we had a 16-hour drive to Denver from Arizona. And the only person coherent was our drunk guitar player from England. And he was driving. And So he was driving at 9 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. He wasn't really... For anyone listening, he wasn't really driving. No, we, no. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. going... We got pulled over for going too slow. Okay. We were going 25 miles per hour on a highway. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they, then the cop pulls us over and uh, he's like, okay, I need license and registration. And uh, Sebastian is in the trunk with like, uh, like an eye mask on. And he gets up and starts yelling at this cop. He's like, you're waking me up. And he's like, oh, I just need to see license and registration. He takes fan art and throws it at the cop and goes, that's me. And it's just drawings of us. <laughs> and the cop is like, listen, I'm going to arrest your ass I'm, right I'm away. Tripping, so. I'm tripping on acid. Yeah, like, yeah. I have no idea what's So the going cop, on. I don't know. I, he, I feel like I he, he just felt bad for us or us. just like didn't want to deal with like seven people very high on acid. And he's just like, just pull over to the Sonic Burger and just sleep it off for a couple hours. And then just like, and good luck to you guys. And then he made you perform a song. <laughs> no, no. And then so it was like, I think it was like nine o'clock in the morning at the Sonic yeah. Burger. And we're literally all just laying in the drive through Just baking pretty much. <laughs> but you got your first gig. How old were you guys when you did your first gig? Um, our first gig was, I think we covered, we covered a Black Crow song and a Hanson song at a recital when I was like 12. And I remember Remington was so petrified that he like, 
was crying. Was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go on stage. It was it was the most scary thing. I like going in front of people was like it was petrifying. And then the next time I was like, oh, this this is great. I love this. Now you jump in the seas of people. I think our real first show with like Palais was like we we played the Sunset Strip. We played at the Vibe Room on like. June 14th, 2013. Oh, cool. Yeah. Only wow. five years ago. Yeah. It's happened pretty quickly. Yeah. And did you get, was that to like 10 people or was it to like a bunch of your friends? It was, we level? had more people on stage just in the crowd, Perfect. but we were opening for one of Julian Casablanca's bands. He signed, what, what were they called? The Virgins? The Virgins. Oh, yeah. Virgins. I remember yeah. the Virgins. Yeah. So cool. they, you know, we, we had no idea what to expect. But then like our, after we played that, the booking agent or whatever talent agent, buyer at the Dale Viper Gloria. Dale Gloria. Who is <laughs> By the way, I know Dale Gloria because she used to have a club called The Scream and I used to play there when I was a kid. Yeah, she's been around for so yeah, long. Totally. She was, she was but, the first person to actually believe in this band. And, she, us us along, and then she got us a gig with uh, Camp Freddy opening up for, I think it was like Billy Idol was playing and right. like and Courtney Love. And all them. Yeah, I know Courtney all those Love. people. I know some of them. I know <laughs> yeah. Courtney pretty well. And then, oh, um, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. So that was the first time you guys were like, this is like a real, we can do this for like a living we're into this nope not yet it was like i think it was when we did our first headliner in we played in chicago no in philadelphia was our first headliners pally route and we walked up and we're like what what was the ticket count and they're like 147 and we're like oh my god there's 147 people here it was like the craziest moment we've ever seen i'm like holy shit by the way that's kind of like a good amount of people on one of your first gigs it was our first like headliner outside of la yeah Yeah, obviously we did a million shows in la for like five people right, six right. people but um that was one of it and then our second or third show was in chicago and it was like sold out and we're like, like 250 oh, people almost 300 people and we're like oh my god it just started catching on why because you guys think it was the combination of your vibe and the music and because it's it's hard you know you guys are still holding the rock flag yeah i'm holding the rock flag yeah. we all need to stick together those yeah. of us holding the rock flag but I guess, you know, let's face it, rock and roll is not at a state now that it used to be, right? No. So if no. you are if you are one of those few people holding that flag, you have to, like, bound together. I know you guys did the Warp Tour, you do stuff like that, that kind of, right? But I think it's honestly most- come down to us and our connection with our fans. Right, um, and I see that. The Royal Council, and, like, they're uh, a part of this band, like, as much as we are. You know, yeah. we would be nothing without them, and... Um, yeah, we adore them. What, what's the deal? Because I see that the fans are super engaged on social media. Think, You're doing meet and yeah. greets. Like you, you guys have a great connection with your fans. Like talk about well, that even, for a minute. Even after like a thousand person venues, we go outside on the streets and like meet anyone that wants to meet. You us. always do like meet yeah. and greets. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah, it's getting a little crazy now. It's yeah. like when we were in Mexico, it got to the point like we had there was we've never had to do like the whole security guard thing. It's just this past weekend, but we were walking out and our uh, tour managers, this big big guy who was in the military. And he was like, I didn't realize having to rip like 10 girls off of Remington was that much effort. He's like, I was in war and it was easier than like ripping off girls. <laughs> right. So, and That's so cool. it was a, it was one of those things in like Amsterdam and like playing to like almost 2000 people in London, our first, like our second headline show Amazing. in London ever. It's just, I think it's because we put in the work. We haven't stopped touring. We just are, are always on the road. And constantly. I see you, you do like vlogging. You, you, do yeah. th- you do like your own shows online and stuff. Exactly. That's cool. And that's sort yeah. of a modern approach to where it's all going, right? Because yeah. a lot of bands, especially from other generations, never really connected with fans like that. And that's probably why they're not where they are today. You know, they're yeah. not in a certain you have to level. Like extend the sense of vulnerability to your yeah. fans, I think. And, and what, so that means like, do what, cause you do, when you do your own, like, I know you do Palais Royale TV, right? Yeah. You do, so what's that all about? Um, we basically wanted to give an inside look to our fans of what our real life is. And not what like, is your life really like? A circus. I only hang out with <laughs> you like once a month, yeah. so I don't know. It's controlled chaos. Okay. Um, and it's kind of, 
it's it's it is a rock and roll circus and we just we've you know we're we're 20 year olds playing a rock band traveling in buses now and like yeah playing sold out shows of course we're gonna have fun definitely and we're, we're not scared about showing that i think a lot of bands are scared of showing who they are behind the stage and i just feel like uh, especially for us you know i mean bands used to like just thrive all you had to do is you know write a good song and perform well and now you've got to like keep Everything. up you got to like um bands like this band is our entire life now it's like every moment and people are like oh you guys are like so high strung and like people you know can call us assholes sometimes but i'm like i've never no. called you an asshole this <laughs> is the record yeah. thanks but it's just it's because we're so involved in the band it's it's just our livelihood and it's like it's everything so we're so like overly emotional about it definitely it's because it's everything and you know people don't I, f- I feel like you know people in bands they just they don't make it their entire life now. Yeah. Because it, it, it never had to be. Just like, you used to be like, oh, let's, let's play some fucking music. Let's play, let's play some songs, go on stage, let's have a good time. And now it's like, it's like 24 hours a day. But 24 seven, you're also on, the, your lives are on display now. So you yeah. also have to be like on it all the time. You don't all live together still, right? Uh, Emerson and Remington do. And cool. Yeah. I just live around in Airbnbs. You pop in every now and then. Of course. All yeah. the time. Every, all morning. the time. Every morning at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, guys, we have work to do. And they're like, <laughs> We just got off tour 12 hours ago. I'm like, let's get to work. We have to get to work. Yeah. And the writing <laughs> process now is that you guys just getting in a room and, you know, playing. Are you writing it's, songs first, bringing them to the band? It's How does still that work? natural. Like we all in one room for like a couple hours and we'll knock out four or five songs. Cool. And it's like recently though, it's in, nice. in sound checks, like the minimal time you get, you just write a song. Yeah. yeah. Are there any covers that you guys do live? Um, yeah. We've, we've been sticking to doing the same cover because it worked kind of for the audiences we were playing for. But um, and we enjoy playing it. It's We do Teenagers by My Chemical Romance. Oh, cool. It's kind yeah. of like our little homage to like, we love them that and the era. fans love them. And it's just yeah. like, yeah. Is that a band that you guys think you were inspired by? Um, yeah. I think yeah. they, I think that for our generation, or at least when we were growing up, that was one of the few representations of American bands doing it. You yeah. know, obviously you had, actually there was a lot of American bands that we were all inspired by. You know, you had the Strokes and Kings of Leon yeah. and the Killers and stuff. But, but with the Black Parade, like, they crossed art and music. Yeah, and that definitely. was the difference in, in like in theatrics. The, and visually, just, I can see the yeah. comparison. And it just almost Musically, like, I think it's know, a little bit different, but, you know. It was just kind of like, you know, how like, you know, the Stones had like pretty much uniforms when they went on stage. Right. And that's, that. I think that was like one of the first bands I saw in a really long time do that. And I really respected it because it made it such like a bigger than just music. Definitely. There's definitely a Stones vibe to your music, which is one of the reasons why I like it, which yeah. is cool. And I also think that you guys, I mean, there's a, I always say like there's going to be the next Guns N' Roses one day and somebody will find that danger and that energy that they had. And so you guys bring a little bit of that to the party. I think that's, I the, think. that's the biggest yeah. thing. It's on stage. It's everyone can listen to the records or see pictures of us or music videos. And it's a, two different bands when you watch us live. When we're live, it's like we're a 1980s punk band playing at CBGB's. Yeah. And it's like Remington's hanging from everything, jumping into the crowd, like stage diving. And we we only know. learned to be like a punk band by playing with metal bands. Right. Because like we cool. were playing to audience of people that, that wanted us. to beat the shit out of us. So then we had to be like these scary people in the outfits we're in. Yeah, <laughs> was, was there ever any really weird bills that you played on? Like you every, and like, every, yeah. every tour we've ever done has been weird. You know, it's well, Warp Tour is kind of bands like in your genre, right? But um, it's weird. Warp Tour really didn't cater. There wasn't much bands that had rock and roll on that tour, which it used to be. Yeah. And I think there was a, there, this is metal core world. There's um, there's more of like a metal like heavier genre that we have built a fan base in that world. I think it's because they're very open to bands that are just okay with being themselves. Yeah, there's so many subgenres of music, right? There's like metal yeah. core, yeah. black metal, yeah. comedy yeah. metal. I don't know what <laughs> this is. Something like. 
So many weird ones. So would you guys consider yourself like fashion, art, rock? Yeah, know, we, can, we consider ourselves that just because no one else was that. Right, that's and cool. Like, why and not? It was David like, Bowie, right? Yeah. Ziggy Stardust, which yeah. is a cool reference. So what's the story behind Dying in a Hot Tub? That that title is pretty wild. Um, Dying in a Hot Tub, uh, it had one of our best friends, uh, actually, he was incredibly talented, always did his thing, but then he got to the point, you know, L.A. kind of takes you and uh, makes you, I don't know. You got a little bit into involved with drugs, and uh, it, it it's really uh, it's really heartbreaking when you see someone with so much talent and yeah, definitely, especially someone so close to you, and you can't help them. You 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 can only do so much until they have to help themselves, and it's uh, it's just kind of like our, our kind of like little like last help. Yeah, like hand to help. There's a, a song we talk him. about James and Pierre who are his dogs and stuff, oh, okay. and those are yeah. like. You know, he would always think he's an astronaut or a dinosaur, depending on the day. And um, well, I'm sure your music has gotten a lot of people through a lot of hard times too, which is always cool. Yeah. Though on the on the flip side, it also gets people through those times, and sometimes it actually helps them get through whatever they're going through. I think that's the thing is we got to the point with like this last record beside B is we just kind of didn't beat around the bush to an idea. We were so direct we're, because right. we've doing 600 shows in three years, you live a lot, totally. and you kind of realize life is just flashes by you so quickly and so when you're like oh this is the only thing i know is honesty now because yeah. you're not when you're in when you're in la all the time it's very easy to see that it's smoking mirrors definitely and writing about that is just smoking mirrors but when you're on the road and you're touring through texas for the hundredth time and you're in wherever the hell we are you know and we're just sitting at a gas station you're like okay these are real moments these are real people you're like around and you just like realize to be super direct definitely. yeah it just because I, I feel like those are the the only songs that truly save people is just being 100% vulnerable and honest. Definitely. Road stories. There's probably so many road stories that you guys have, right? Yeah. Is there absolutely. any road stories? Like, the, what's the best gig you ever played up at this point? Because maybe the Warped Tour? Or no, no. Amsterdam. Um, Amsterdam, we just played two or three weeks ago. They had this chant like, here is the party, or where is the party, here is the party. And they were going crazy. We had no idea. Because it they was were the first it. time I've ever wrote a song with an audience. Really? It was the wow. weirdest thing. And it was the most like spiritual moment of my wow. life. I was like, I, 900 people were all on this like same wavelength. It was incredible. It was, what do you think makes them connect? Because I feel like in Europe and South America, like rock is really a thing still. So I, yeah. I feel like the, they like the sloppiness that rock and roll has in the world that yeah. it is. And I think that was, you know, that gig uh, playing London. Well, London was just London. Yeah, fanatic, that was, you know, for us. That was insane. And also, I feel like... Uh, each one of us at one point of the night on stage kind of teared up. Yeah. It's wow, kind of, it, very cool. And it's After so dying in a hot tub, actually, we're just like, what is going on? <laughs> like, you know, you never, you know, as a kid, you always dream of like be getting to a point, you know, where you gain success and you can sell out shows and you, you always hope and dream of becoming like, like, you know, like some of your favorite legends. And then when it actually happens, when you, when you sell out such a big venue, it's just it's so overwhelming, and then we just amazing, started, like, right? What an up. amazing feeling! Yeah. Is there, I guess there's people that you still want to tour with that you haven't yet. Yeah, no, I, I definitely yeah. would. Iggy Pop, yeah, that would be amazing. That would be one, the obviously. Stones, the, the Stones, Guns N' Roses. I definitely think like current bands like Arctic Monkeys would be phenomenal. Um, yeah, there's you know Jack White would be. Fun so you to went go. to the show the other night, right? Went to the Arctic Monkeys show. And you yeah. like it? Phenomenal. They're very much at the point that they they don't move at all anymore because oh. they don't you know they just kind of look cool as shit right and but they like still enjoy what they do on stage or at least look like it so I mean, you don't get bored if they don't move a little bit i i th normally really don't like shows when people aren't like engaging right. but because their show was so like so good organized so, yeah. yeah it just 
you're you, when you're playing to 20,000 people, how Definitely. do you connect to the back row? Definitely. And they found a way to just through their songs and being able, their stage show was just so good. And I think that's so, the best place to see a show too. Yeah. Right? No way. So the L Ray is coming up, right? Yeah. yeah. That's coming up soon. I'm going to miss it. We just spoke about it. I'm really bummed actually. Um, so that's coming up on Friday, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. It's probably already sold out. Yeah. Something. It's sold out in like the first couple of days, like Amazing. three months ago. So, and is that, that's like your home because you're kind of like an LA band at this I, point. That, right? I feel like we're more that's of an LA, LA band. I think El Ray is going to be it's going to be a really special show for us because I remember I think it was three years ago we went there every Friday and Saturday and we all three of us uh, handed out flyers, hopefully yeah. for people to come to Two. see us at like one of our free shows, and so it's kind of crazy that we're like now sold out a venue three months, four months in advance of a place we're handing out flyers. Amazing. To. And it's, so it's it's very surreal. People well, still do the fly, I did the flyer thing growing up. People well, still do yeah. that. No one did it because they were like, "Oh, you posted on Facebook. People are going to come." I'm like, "No one's going to come if they're your <laughs> friend to your show. That's at a bar, and right. you have to pay a cover." You exactly. Know? So the first show we ever even saw at the El Rey was uh, Lana Del Rey, and cool. that was she sold it out. And I was like, when you just kind of see that where that status of musicians go from playing those size rooms to where they are now, is it just kind of makes you. It humbles you, but it also makes you so excited about life. Definitely. You know? So today, the El Rey, tomorrow, the Forum. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then next year, we hope for Coachella, if you guys. I know. that's Those are the things. We're finally doing all the festival circuits in Europe, which is amazing. It's going to happen. Any any like cool bills that you've been on where you're like, man, it was like I Public think, Enemy and I Kiss or something? one cool one, I, it was it was so amazing. We played uh, Aftershock in Sacramento last year, and we got to open for Nine Inch Nails. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That's actually the best live show maybe I've ever seen. So, oh, it's incredible. so well put together. Yeah. We did a tour with uh, Stone Sour and Corey Taylor. It's cool. like, incredible. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Corey so, Taylor was the sweetest person we've ever toured I with. Think I, so. Yeah. But Nine Inch Nails, like, what an incredible, what a, what a vibe, right? Yeah. 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 Did you watch them from the side of the stage? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Just amazing. got drunk listening to Nine Inch Nails <laughs> screaming every lyric. Amazing. <laughs> So what's next for you, right? 2019, the record just came out, right? Yep. So, I mean, it seems like you're in the studio constantly. You're constantly on tour. Yeah. Is there like, the, what is, tell me, take me through, uh, talk me through 2019, what it looks like so for you guys. So 20, right now we leave tomorrow for our North American headline tour for the final boom. That takes us to beginning of December. Then we go to Australia and do our first, like we're doing a, a few festivals with like Stone Sour and with like Offspring. Offspring and cool. like some random ones. And then it'll be, then we come back for three or four or probably two or three weeks actually then we go back to england and do 20 shows in the uk with this band called enter shikari okay and sure. they're massive rooms yeah, like six thousand cap rooms and that's awesome then we headline in europe uh, all through february and then we might russia. be doing yeah we're doing russia and like poland and czech it's going to be a lot of fun and then we come back i think we might be doing a north american tour we're just kind of trying to figure out the logistics with a band that we really wanted to do something with, and that's cool. highly suspect. The Rolling kind Stones. Of, yeah, that'd be <laughs> fucking amazing. And but then off um, to Japan later in the year. I mean, it's my favorite place in the whole world. Yeah. Japan? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's cool, though, because you guys kind of, there's different genres that you get to tour with, right? Enter Shikari is almost like new metal. Yep. Stone Sour yeah. is like almost old school, like hard rock, right? Yep. So yeah. you can kind of skirt between these, like alternative yeah. rock. You can be on different tours. So. Yeah. That's cool. So 2019 seems like it's going to be super busy. And, and on the, you actually developed your own makeup line. Let's, yeah. What's yeah. it called? Uh, it's called Palette Royale. Palette so. Royale. Cool. Who came up with that idea? Yeah, that's uh, one of the products. And then we're coming out with a new palette called the Final Boom Cool. Uh, after our tour. But like, yeah, the um, whole idea of the makeup was honestly, we weren't... When you're on tour and you're opening for people, you don't get paid at anything. Right. And people kind of forget that. And so when you're out there selling shirts, the venue's still taking 25 30%. The one thing we kind of found 
a world that no one could have a piece of was our makeup. And that was able to pay for our tours, pay for our vehicles, pay for our gas. So we kind of did it out of a thing of the label wasn't paying for anything and no one was funding it. So we had to fund everything ourselves, even though we're signed. And it kind of just... And we wear a ton of makeup. (laughs) Right. And also, like, I think that was one of the biggest things was... uh, me and Emerson just never found any makeup palettes with actually like red and black that kind of like give you like the dead look. And so we're just like, that was also for guys, right? There's no yeah. makeup palettes for guys. Yeah. If yeah, you do no, want to rock some makeup, yeah. where do yeah. you go? You go to Maybelline? Where yeah. do you go? And you feel very <laughs> awkward in Sephora. I was there the other day and I'm like, I know I have to get eyeliner, but I feel so weird being here. It's funny because it's almost like out of the order right now, but back in the late 80s and 90s, it was like a, everyone wore makeup. Yeah. It was like yeah. part, Aquanet. It was like part of your vocabulary so yeah, yeah. so this line it's carried on your site yep yeah. cool and i think you guys are one of the first rock bands to come out with a makeup line or is there other ones i, I don't think know. so I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure Weirdly enough i think we're especially because we, we do it so hands-on like down to the like the production and the, the design and everything like cool. it's it's kind of an obsession <laughs> that's cool well, i do want to jump to another song i want to jump to teenage heartbreak queen what's the story behind that guys um originally the song title um was supposed to be uh, teenage Doors of, of Heartbreak and that came from actually Kim Fowley and Kim Fowley was going to be one of our first producers um, on side A and then he passed away unfortunately. Let's talk about that yeah. by the way people don't know who Kim Fowley is he Kim actually Fowley discovered the Runaways, the Runaways right? Kiss, you know, yeah. Alice Cooper. He was a genius in his own right, eccentric to say the least So <laughs> when you met, did you meet him? Yes. We did, we, um, we actually Rodney met Ronnie Bingenheimer was yeah. the first person we met and then he, he was like I have someone on the phone for you, and then we're, we were where were we? It was the we were at Soup Plantation, and then I love that because you look like I mean you could be from the yeah. era of Rod because I see Rodney at the Rite Aid here. I spoke about it yeah. with Anthony. I think he was the first one to play the Chili Peppers. We spoke yeah. about that on the the uh, the one with Andy Kiedis. But so you meet you meet Rodney, and he's like, "Yo, come, let well, me." No, he, he, he was, had his old he, school phone, and like he immediately put on Kim Fowley, and then Kim Fowley was like, "Are you a superstar?" And I was like, yeah, I think so. And, then, and, <laughs> and he was like, all right, you're then, coming then to you, meet me. You passed the phone to me. And then he's like, all right, what's the band? I'm like, Pally Rally. He's like, okay, I'm going to check it out and give you a call. And we're like, okay. Next morning I wake up, I'm in bed. I wake, up to, I wake up to a voice memo and I'm like, it's nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, it's like, hi, it's Kim Fowley. And I found your music to be very good. Let's, <laughs> let's talk. And I was like, Okay. He's Kim, like, I'll meet you at the soup plantation in 10 no, minutes. No, we yeah. met him. In Nine, a, we met Kim Felly at his house. Wow. And he had, what was that like? We he brought walk a stripper in, over. He brought oh a stripper God. over. And, and we, I, we brought we her with mom, our mom over. It was so weird. because Wait, like, so you go over there and there's a stripper waiting there? Yeah. Or was she, yeah like she a hooker, waiting. basically. Yeah. Okay. In the, in the long term, though, we saw that this was just his like plan of like, he has almost like rock star boot camp type right. thing. Like in his mind, like he's honestly like done this his whole life. He's like, if you can get past a stripper, we can have a serious conversation. Exactly, yeah. Cause he's like, let's see how uncomfortable I can make these kids right. and see if they're, they'll, they'll actually stick around. I was so close to walking out. Cause he started like talking about like eating ass in front of my mom. And I'm just like, <laughs> your mom came with you. Yeah. You don't want to bring your mom to a Kim Fowley. No, we, we, I didn't know. Uh, I did not know I could have told you that. No. But, I was but like, but if we were friends then I would have said, do not bring your mom. I was like 19 or 20. Then he got into like all the music that he created and like um, like all the projects that he was a part of, and it was just like we were blown away by him. I, mean, I just watched the Joan Jett documentary, and there's a lot of Kim Fowley yeah. talking there. So yeah. yeah, I mean, legendary, and I and yeah, Rodney, legendary too. So and that was the thing. Kim was like, I want Palerado to be my last finished project, but yeah. and then we were the, his last unfinished project, and uh, we became really close to him. Like it was, I think, because we got him in a state that he kind of put the whole 
identity of Kim Fallyway, and he was a real human when he was talking to us. He was in he, a wheelchair, right? He was, yeah. and it was it was it was quite <laughs> sad. Because that was the time when he uh, met his wife. That was like. 25, 22, wow. maybe something yeah. like that. And so that's what the story of Teenage Heartbreak means. And so we were oh, writing, okay. oh, we were wow. writing yeah. the song and uh, he threw out the lyric, Teenage Doors of Heartbreak, and it, it turned into Teenage Heartbreak Queen. Wow, amazing. So that's, I think someone's going to make a movie about his life too. So oh, yeah. I hope so. There's yeah. definitely going to be, you guys have any plans to, because uh, I see you're, we're always documenting stuff. I say we, but you guys are always <laughs> documenting stuff. So is there plans to come out with like the documentary already and we, do stuff? Yeah, around Christmas, we're planning on releasing like a box set collection really? of, of season one unreleased. and season two amazing yeah. so two albums in four years old but yeah. there's already a box set yeah that's pretty cool and then there's a lot of shit uh, around <laughs> valentine's day we're going to release our uh, perfume line as well amazing it's like an old school like one of those uh, see um, i'm i'm ambitious so i love all this uh, so yeah. that we talk about i know you go to yeah. like hot soul cycling right? <laughs> you're like hitting hard man and like we, we connected on music but then it's like okay we both go to soul cycle right just you know we all hit it we both hit it hard right so what's so what haven't you done so you got a fragrance that you're working on um, you got a box set a current, documentary currently working on a um, a comic book wow. for um, one of the records coming up we have a whole intricate story about children that go through revolution amazing <laughs> i want to introduce you guys to steve aoki he has a comic book coming oh, out really? so, yeah, yeah i think you guys would make a cool yeah be cool and do that's, some cool that's music the thing together. emerson i think that's the difference why like we we still are kind of selling physical albums is because emerson does all the artwork in the album so when you open it up it's full on sketches and mm. everything and um i think that's different because it's we always looked at you know the velvet underground and they had andy warhol designing everything amazing right so we had I always thought Warhol it would be, playing our drummer. It would be yeah. very, it'd be very interesting if Andy Warhol was a musician in the band. That's cool. Are you guys all into the same stuff musically, or is there a little bit of different? We, we were, but I went more like into Britpop, and then Emerson's more into 1920s. I'm more in the 90s grunge, like Nirvana. Cool. Okay. Era. That's, you that's like suede? I feel like you I would like suede. suede. Yeah, I, like, I don't know why. Yeah. I just looked at you. I was like suede. Um, so you're you're into Nirvana. What are you? What comes to? Um, I get over uh, rock and roll a lot because you can only listen to your favorite records so many times. Yeah. You know? So you so, listen to other stuff? Yeah, I just listen to like Edith Piaf and like uh, Frank Sinatra. Cool. And then like Alan Watts. I listen to a lot of lectures because sometimes music gets too much. You guys are into podcasts. This thing's gonna be a podcast. Yeah. I actually listen to TED Talks. I would. I drove over one hundred sixty thousand miles over the course of like two and a half years while driving, you know, from city to city for five kids, five kids, whatever. And I would just listen to TED Talks all the time. Amazing. Yeah. It gives you the illusion that you're getting smarter. I don't know if you're actually getting no, smarter when you no, listen to I'm it. No, I'm not, but, but so I think I am. <laughs> right. And then we're all like passed out in the back drunk. And we're just like, turn off the goddamn TED Talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you're peers, right? The Struts, Greta Von Fleet, all these new bands that are coming out holding the rock flag. Well, I mean, you got the other bands we were just discussing too, but are there any bands that you're like, this is the band that I'm convinced they're going to make it. These guys are these guys have the finger on their pulse of rock and roll because I want to play one more song yeah. of a band that you guys are really into. Highly suspect. Highly suspect. Highly suspect. Yeah. Cool. I like those guys too. They had, yeah. they actually got nominated for a couple of Grammys. Three Grammy ago, nominations. Right? Yeah. yeah, definitely cool. Well, let's jump to some highly suspect. You're sitting with Palo Royale. We're going to come back and finish up. And thanks for tuning in, guys. This is Lips LA on Dash Radio We're with the band Palais Royale. We just actually checked out Highly Suspect. Little Ones, great song. Um, and I guess you almost died yesterday. What happened, bro? So uh, basically, I've got a huge fear of flying. And, Me uh, too, I, by the way. We came oh, yeah. back from Mexico City. Because for the past three days, I don't know, I've had the worst luck with flights. Just, I, I don't know what, just the most turbulence I've ever experienced. But yesterday, it was the scariest flight I've ever taken in my entire life. It was four Were hours Were people straight. yelling? Because that's when I lose it. It was just, 
I started bawling my eyes out. You know the scene in Almost Famous when it's just like just crazy turbulence and I'm just like, we're going down. This is it. And so Sebastian's trying to calm me down. I'm like, like feeding him Jack Daniels. I'm like, if he's, we were sitting in the last you row. You don't get nervous? I get nervous. I was sitting hell. there and I was playing Risk with our tour I manager. That. that really annoys me, I have to say. Because <laughs> our, our, our tour manager, he's like, he went to Iraq and he's telling me all these stories like how he's like, you know, gone through the worst of turbulence while people are shooting at him. I'm like, that's great. I'm still like freaked out though. Right. Like, like I respect you. Thank you for everything you do, but I'm, I'm having a panic attack here. And um, by the way, I'm never going to fly with you because I hate flying too. So we would be the worst flying together. We're never going to fly together. So Sebastian's feeding me Jack Daniels and I'm just like, I'm fucking bawling my ass out. (laughs) And I'm just, all I, all I can do is just like put in headphones and just like listen to music. I'm like, this is what I'm living for. I'm like, I just need to play more music. I'm like, I feel like I haven't like reached my limit yet. So I'm like, this plane has got to land so I can just go and play some more music. So it's funny because when you see the stewardess is starting to freak out, then you know there's an issue, right? Yeah. Our, yeah. Stu- our stewardess was just hitting on us while like oh. trying to comfort him. <laughs> okay, she was very sweet. She's about like, it. Uh, she's "Do you like, want to go out tomorrow night? You might die. So, but if we make it, we it was very close to that." She's like, "What right. are you guys playing in L.A.?" While like talking to him. <laughs> so she wasn't phased at all. You thought you were dying, and you were like, "Hey, man, everything's great. I'm just listening I'm, to. I'm, I'm on a TED Talks podcast now. Yeah. I'm great." I was playing Risk with our tour manager. What about? Yeah. Did you think? Did you have was, like a uh, fear that you? I was drawing. Okay. So, so nobody was phased. You, was you and I are never, but well, that's it. We're never going to fly together. So. I'm, I'm, I, like, uh, I'll be there to calm you both down. <laughs> right. Our manager wants us to fly in after the LA, uh, LA show to Denver. And I'm just like, I don't care. I'm like, we will show up literally at doors because I'm taking the bus. I will not fly. Yeah. I'm not flying. But do you usually fly? or Because sometimes you can't. Obviously, Europe, you got to yeah. fly, right? Like so. Europe, I'm usually okay with. I'll just like... I'll just drink. Take like a Valium or yeah, something. Like, right. And plus those, those planes are bigger. It's like less turbulence. Right. So I think it'll be fine. I think exactly. I actually hate those small planes because the they feel planes. very turbulent. So. Yeah. 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 So I'm just, if I can avoid flying, I do at any at any cost. And we got 2019 coming out. So we have to make sure you guys don't die. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's going to be another. So I'm sure you're going to write a song that you're inspired by. by dying, that, on so. a, dying on an airplane. Definitely. Hot tub. Well, this is awesome. So we're going to do Soul Cycle together. Yeah. I'll come to the gig. So check it out. 2019 is going to be a very big year for you guys. If you guys don't know Palais Royale, there's buy the makeup, buy the albums. You know, there's two. There's another record. I'm sure you're going to record next week because you're always in the studio. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, check these guys out live at the El Ray coming up. If you're listening to this, it might have already passed, but if not, there'll be more shows coming up. When's the next uh, shows on the um, West Coast and what, New York? The and stuff? last show, the final boom of 2018, is at Pomona Glasshouse. Cool, like that's in December. Tickets left. Yeah, very cool. There's only 100 tickets yeah. left. This show is definitely airing before then, <laughs> so the show will be sold out. Good. So thanks for coming on, guys. Shout out Thank to Palais Royale. We'll follow you on like social media. It's just at Palais Royale. Yeah, at Palais Royale. Cool, awesome. All right, guys. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Much love. Hey, Dennis Quaid here, and I want to tell you about the Orange Tree. Now, I have recently started a podcast network called Audio Up, and much as I prepare for movie roles, I've been researching the podcast landscape and listening to hundreds of podcasts. One in particular stopped me in my tracks. The Orange Tree. It's a true crime podcast series told with such authenticity and care by Haley Butler and Tinu Thomas, two journalists who were University of Texas students when they started reporting on the story. It's about the 2005 murder of a young woman named Jennifer Cave near the University of Texas at Austin campus. What struck me most was the thorough examination of the case and the exclusive access granted to these two young reporters. 
What makes this true crime story so unique is their perspective. There are two young women who are the same age as Jennifer Cave and at very similar points in their lives. The Orange Tree is engaging, it's thoughtful, and really, really powerful. Take a listen to The Orange Tree on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 